From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, September 16th. A $1 trillion infrastructure bill is still making its way through Congress. It will likely include billions to help clean up abandoned oil and gas wells. KZMU's Justin Higginbottom reports on what that means for Utah. On the way to Green River is an oil well once operated by the company Rose Petroleum. It's not producing anymore, but it also hasn't been plugged. When Rose was finished pumping, they sort of just left it there in the desert. It's one of more than 160 orphaned oil wells near Utah National Parks. That's according to the National Parks Conservation Association. And it's one of around 57,000 orphaned oil wells around the country. This comes, I guess, as part and parcel when you are in a boom and bust business, as the, the oil industry is. Uh, you, you start drilling during the boom times, and when the, when the market busts, you, you pack up shop and leave behind whatever messes because it's someone else's problem and you're out of business. That's Aaron Weiss with the Center for Western Priorities. Utah only has around 70 orphaned wells. Another 70 are temporarily abandoned. That's compared to some 2,800 in Wyoming. But according to Aaron, Utah has a lot of stripper wells. Those are wells that produce less than 10 barrels of oil per day. Utah is basically in the stripper well business. Uh, according to, to the, the, the state's numbers, uh, out of about, about 4,600 oil wells that are currently producing, 3,200 of those, 70% of the currently producing oil wells, are stripper wells that don't produce much. It's about the same for natural gas wells. 60% of the 6,200 gas wells in the state aren't producing a whole lot. There's also 2,900 shut-in wells across Utah that have temporarily stopped producing. All that's to say is that while Utah doesn't have many abandoned wells now, it could in the future. So that means Utah is really at risk if there is a, another oil industry bust of the number of orphaned and abandoned wells going way up very quickly uh, if these small operators start going out of business. Wells that aren't properly plugged can damage the environment. They can leak and contaminate groundwater. Another provision in the bill is to increase bonding for operators. That's the amount a company puts down so the state can make sure they have enough for future cleanup. Part of the problem is that the bonds right now that, that oil and gas companies have to post are not nearly uh, sufficient to cover the cleanup costs. So it creates this perverse incentive where it can be cheaper for, for an oil and gas company to just declare bankruptcy and go out of business uh, rather than stay in business and have to clean up their messes. Aaron says plugging wells can also provide jobs. So as you look at transitioning from an oil and gas-based economy to a renewable-based economy, the skills that have created and drilled these wells will still be necessary for years and years into the future cleaning up the messes. Uh, and that's where this funding for cleanup becomes so important, uh, is it, it's, it's creating jobs as we transition to, to a renewable economy. Of course, this all depends on whether the infrastructure bill passes with these provisions. House Democrats are aiming to have it on Biden's desk by the end of the month. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. 
How do you solve America's affordable housing crisis? Most people want to build their way out of the problem, but there are other ways to make homes more affordable. Christopher Biddle with our partners at KBUT has more. Sometimes it's called home rehabilitation or an energy upgrade or a retrofit. We're going to call it weatherization. Details vary, but the basic idea is to use government money to pay for energy upgrades to homes. It's money well spent, according to the Biden administration. The president's infrastructure plan calls for $213 billion for weatherization efforts. That could be of use in the town of Crested Butte, Colorado, where a pandemic-boosted economic crisis has housing at its center. By the end of the summer, this tourist town had an estimated 15% of jobs go unfilled, and local officials fear the fall and winter could be worse. It's a very tight rope for this community to function, and we're missing it. Troy Russ is the Crested Butte Community Development Director. He breaks the cost of living into three categories, transportation, basic essentials, and housing. And that would include the cost of energy towards housing. And at 8,000 feet or more, Crested Butte and its surrounding communities can get cold in the winter, very cold. What we're finding is the, the housing costs are simply dominating the budget, so there's no savings going on. There's very little insurance, and it's really it's skewing people's ability to live here. That's a familiar story to Josh Schumacher. I'm not very good at budgeting. <laughs> Josh provides vital work to the community. He used to be a chairlift mechanic at the local ski resort. Now... I fix rich people's toilets. <laughs> Josh moved here in the 90s and says that recently more and more of his peers are being priced out while he's figured out ways to stick around. That includes owning a deed-restricted home, and that made him eligible for the town's Green Deed weatherization program. Through Green Deed, Josh scored a new fridge and a fresh layer of insulation. As winter approaches, he's hoping the upgrades will provide some relief to an electric bill that's broken at $900 in the past. I mean, I'm kind of like a lot of people here. I, I live virtually paycheck to paycheck still. We have a serious income gap. We have a serious resiliency gap, and that's what I'm trying to help with. Giza Michael designed the Green Deed program and a similar countywide effort for income-qualified homes called Gunnison Valley Heat or GV Heat. Studies show that lower-income households usually put more of their money towards energy costs, which means they often get a better return on their upgrades. Last year, GV Heat saved an average of just over $460 per household. But savings are often seen as just a secondary benefit to weatherization. Crested Butte adopted its program originally as part of its climate action plan. And the Biden administration says targeted weatherization efforts will offset racial and economic divides and boost quality of life for the poorest Americans. With all those benefits, you'd think the idea would have taken off already. But according to the Brookings Institute, only 2% of the nearly 40 million eligible American homes are actually weatherized every year. Biden's plan will most likely provide some boost, and then people like Giza Michael will still have to figure out how to spend the money, but she's probably already got a plan in place. You can't only just throw funding at something, you also need to build capacity. Hard as it is to hire in any American industry right now, weatherization programs across the country have struggled for years. In another very cold place, veteran nonprofit Efficiency Vermont turned from contracting to hiring and training its own workforce. For projects in Gunnison and Crested Butte, where new construction dominates the attention of the workforce, 
Michael has to hire a team from the Alamosa Energy Resource Center some four hours away. So the old insulation, and this is, the old insulation was this high. So that's how much... Josh Schumacher shows me around his upgrades. It's a Thursday, but he's all Friday vibes as he packs his truck for a camping trip. In the glow of the evening sun, it's obvious that Josh, fixer of rich people's toilets, enjoys a high quality of life. I've moved up the food chain as far as where I'm at financially. Now I'm finally at, I don't want to say comfortable, but I'm finally paying my bills with something left over so I can actually enjoy life. For Josh, a government-sponsored weatherization program was just part of that puzzle and something that may soon be available to many more Americans trying to get by. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Christopher Biddle. This story is part of a Rocky Mountain Community Radio reporting collaboration on affordable housing, funded by the Solutions Journalism Network. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, September 16th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.